You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's good to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at the closing verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been looking at this chapter for the past few weeks, and today we're going to be talking about the concept of making a break with the past. But before we do, I wanted to ask a couple quick favors from you. As I've mentioned in the previous weeks, if this is a ministry that you appreciate, There are two quick and easy ways that you can help us as we seek to bring this content to you each Monday. The first is to become a supporter of this podcast, and if you'll notice on our website, pastor.us, there's a podcast logo right on the front page, and underneath that there's a link to become a supporter. And we're asking listeners of the show to consider helping us underwrite the cost of our hosting and production by chipping in just a dollar, or really any amount that the Lord leads you to chip in. But it really helps, and we're very grateful for your support. And another really quick way that you can offer some support is by leaving us a rating or a review the next time you're on iTunes. You probably hear a lot of podcasters mention that in their episodes, asking their listeners to do that sort of thing for them. And the reason that we all do that is because iTunes is the biggest platform that people listen to podcasts through. And they make a point to promote podcasts once they get enough reviews. So the more reviews you leave for our show, the more they actively promote it and introduce this content to more listeners. And several of you have taken the time to leave us ratings and reviews, and I just want to acknowledge a few of you that have done so before we get into our content for today. Hop FCSP left us a five-star review on iTunes and says, Excellent Teachings. We also heard from Dean in St. Paul, who also left us a five-star review, and he says, Uplifting, insightful, and challenging, pure scripture with inspired commentary, delivered with a conversational tone. Pastor Stange shares the truth and hope found in God's Word. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Dean, for leaving that. We appreciate that. And one more that just came in the other day. Creator's Creature said, Love this Bible study. Thank you. This is a blessing. I listen to every episode. Thank you. So, Creator's Creature, thank you as well. We really appreciate it. And uh, to those of you that have left a rating, thank you as well. But the next time you're on iTunes, if you're able to leave us a rating or a review, we'd be very grateful. And in coming weeks, we'll take the time to read some of these reviews during the show. Now, as I mentioned at the start of the show, today we're going to be talking about this idea of making a break from the past. And I think that for many of us, that's something that we struggle with and we wrestle with. I remember when I was a new pastor, there was a man that would frequently come and visit me. And he was always struggling with something from his past that he had a hard time getting over. He would remind himself of it constantly. He would beat himself up over it regularly. And as often as I would try to remind him of the fact that the past was the past, he seemed to stay stuck in it. And to my knowledge, he never really got past it. And I always thought that was tragic, because that's not the Lord's desire for us. He invites us to make a break from the past, and we see that outlined for us in the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today. So if you have a Bible with you, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to be reading from verse 16 down to the end of the chapter, which is verse 21. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege to take some time today to look at it. And Lord, as we look at this portion of Scripture at the end of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we pray that you would help us to understand more about what it means to make a break from the past, to not live in the past, to recognize that in Christ we are new creations. So Lord, we know that that's the case, and we know that that's something that you've accomplished through your Son. And we pray, Lord, that that reality, that that truth would impact our hearts and our minds and our lives today and each and every day. We thank you, Lord, for all these things, and we pray that you'd speak to us during this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for the past few weeks, we've been looking at the book of 2 Corinthians, and we've spent three weeks here in chapter 5. And when you look throughout the book of 2 Corinthians, you could see it was a very emotional letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And that's something I have to say, personally speaking, that I appreciate. It's nice when you can read through a portion of Scripture and you realize that the people that the Lord inspired to write these passages were not just stoic stone-faced, emotionless people, but people who had actual feelings and people who wrestled with things just like we wrestle with things. And the Apostle Paul was certainly somebody who was wrestling emotionally as he was trying to teach and encourage and foster spiritual maturity among the church at Corinth. This was a church that was struggling in many respects. It was a church that was also really battling the, the temptation to view things from a more worldly perspective, instead of growing in their understanding of things and beginning to see things with the mind and with the eyes of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul was trying to help them to do that. And in this portion of Scripture here, we see that he's talking about this idea of the fact that the past is the past. We, we aren't in the past. Christ has made some very drastic changes to us and for us. And we're to live as people who have been blessed by what Christ has done. Well, what are some of the differences that Christ has made in our lives that are so different from the life we were living in the past? Well, when you look at the opening verses that we just read a few moments ago, the Apostle Paul tells us that one of the things that, that Christ has supplied for us is, very notably, new life. Look again at verses 16 and 17. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a, an interesting question that I once read in a pamphlet that was published by RBC Ministries. It was a, a small book that they had made on the subject of how to share your faith without an argument. 
And one of the questions that they encouraged you to ask others when you're talking about spiritual things is this. They encouraged you to ask, to you, who is Jesus? Who do you think he is? And I think that's a a crucial question. And the way a person answers that question reveals quite a bit about the core of their spiritual beliefs. Do they think of Jesus as maybe just a historical figure that maybe they admire, or maybe they disdain? Or do they answer the question in a personal way with a response that shows that he is their God, Lord, and Savior? At one season of life, it certainly would have been interesting and maybe even shocking to ask that question to the Apostle Paul. And in this passage, he states that both he and the Corinthians had at one point regarded Christ from a perspective that failed to understand who Jesus really is. We know that before becoming a believer, Paul hated Jesus, and he hated those who followed Jesus. Paul thought Jesus was a false teacher. He thought he was a a false prophet, a troublemaker, a blasphemer, and a liar. And likewise, Paul was extremely harsh and very unforgiving toward anyone who disagreed with that kind of a view. But then Jesus directly confronted the Apostle Paul, and this confrontation was after Christ's resurrection. We're told in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 to 6, it says, As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now at that period of time, the Apostle Paul went by the name of Saul, and later on his name was changed to Paul. But after that experience that's described in Acts chapter 9, Paul's heart was changed, and he went from being spiritually blind to finally being able to see who Jesus truly is. And we know that Paul went on to travel all over the known world, speaking of Jesus and making Christ's gospel known. Paul was a new man after he met Jesus, and this scripture reveals that Christ makes everyone who trusts in him a new person. We're told here in 2 Corinthians 5 that in Christ, we are a new creation. Please think about that for just a moment. A friend of mine, his church just... uh, renamed itself to New Creation. That's the new name of their church. But this verse isn't telling us that we are now shined up versions of who we used to be. This isn't a matter of rough edges merely being sanded smooth and other improvements being made in our lives. We're told here that in Christ, we become a new creation. We were spiritually dead, and now we are spiritually alive. We had no hope and no future, and now we have hope and a future that is secured for us by Jesus. So, what does this new life in Christ look like in practical terms? Well, it means that, for starters, we shouldn't live in the past governed by the passions of the past. In fact, in Galatians 5.24 it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. It also means that we can have joy in the midst of every circumstance because now we know the outcome. It means that we can step off the treadmill of thinking that we need to live for ourselves 
This new life in Christ means that we can stop holding on to the things that used to drag us down. It also means that we can approach each day with confidence that is not rooted in our flesh, but is rooted in the power of Christ at work within us. And it also means that we can live as people who aren't wandering aimlessly, but are on a divinely ordained mission. We have brand new life in Jesus Christ. And there's another principle that the Apostle Paul brings up in 2 Corinthians 5, and he tells us in verses 18 and 19 that we also now have a new relationship. Look again at what he says in these verses. He says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I love the repeated use of the word reconcile in its various forms in this passage. When we think of the the concept of reconciliation, what comes to mind? Typically, I imagine that we think of two people who have become distant due to some form of conflict, and we think of them forgiving one another finally and restoring their relationship. I don't know what kind of music you listened to growing up, but I have to admit, and I think this surprises some people because of the fact that I'm a pastor. I think they think that pastors probably only listen to hymns their whole life, but during the the course of my growing up uh, experience, I I loved rock music, and in the late 80s, I, I just, I loved metal. I would listen to it constantly. And um, one, of, one of my favorite groups during that era of my life was the band Guns N' Roses. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, if you like them, if you hate them. They certainly have some interesting songs and, and some songs that I definitely don't still listen to. But during this past summer, the summer of 2016, many of the people I grew up with were giddy over the fact, literally giddy over the fact that the band Guns N' Roses reunited with their original lineup for a series of concerts. And this was after 20-plus years of conflict and separation. Now, if you if you read some of the news stories, you begin to realize that they were paid between $3 million and $12 million per show, so <laughs> I guess that might help encourage warring parties to maybe bury the hatchet a little. But if we're being super specific, the term reconcile, when we're looking at it in this portion of Scripture, it means to take something that's far away and to bring it near. Now, let's apply that to us in the way that it's spoken of in this passage. We're told here that God reconciled us to himself through Christ, meaning that that when we believed in Christ and received his forgiveness, we were brought near to God, who is the perfection of holiness. We weren't cast away from his presence. We were reconciled to him. This is a new kind of relationship for us, and it's important to note that God is the one who initiated it. He's the one who took the first steps. We were content to ignore him. We were content to pretend that he didn't even exist. We were content to live in our sin. We were content to live in our rebellion. It's fascinating when you look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and what it tells us about the natural heart of humanity, but it tells us there that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's what it says in Genesis 6, verse 5. 
But yet, God reached out to us even though every intent of our hearts was set against him. He removes the blinders from our hearts so that we can see who he truly is. He shows us our need for redemption, and he draws us unto himself. He creates the desire in our hearts for the presence of Christ and his gift of salvation that can only be received through faith. And then, as if that wasn't enough, he gives us a gift. We're told here that he gives us a ministry. So it's this additional gift. Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation. Have you ever considered yourself as someone who has a ministry? When I meet new people and they learn that I'm a pastor, they sometimes say, oh, I I didn't know you were in ministry. And that's kind of funny or ironic in a sense, because technically speaking, every true believer in Jesus is in ministry, because ministry isn't just a vocational matter. You and I together have been called to engage in the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to actively pour our lives out in partnering with God in this world to bring others into his family. Just think for a moment about the value of what God is entrusting to us. I don't even let my kids play with my phone because my phone costs me too much, and yet God is willing to entrust to us the message of reconciliation. He's entrusting to us the privilege of making it known that it's his desire not to count our trespasses against us. Christ took those transgressions upon himself so that we can be forgiven by having our debt paid for by him. Just a few days ago, on Wednesday of this past week, I had the privilege of sharing this good news with a woman who has spent her life filled with sorrow. She's been seeking peace through various addictions. She's been seeking to calm her mind and her heart through very unhealthy relationships, and those things obviously don't work. And sometimes I think we make the assumption that people might get upset with us when we tell them about the the reconciled relationship Christ wants to have with them. But that wasn't her response at all. She didn't get upset at all. Instead, she thanked me with joy for sharing this truth with her. We don't have to be locked into the mistakes of our past when we have a new relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul tells us about one other thing that the Lord has done for us in this passage, and that's the fact that we've been given a new mission. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 20 and 21. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you've been watching the news recently or listening to reports on the radio, I'm sure that you've seen some coverage of Senate confirmation hearings that are being held for the new president's cabinet. He's appointing cabinet members, advisors, ambassadors, and other positions. And uh, I'm sure that those who are being selected to these roles feel honored to be appointed. Presidential appointments are one thing. But consider for just a moment the appointment we've been given by God. This passage tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. God has appointed us to this task and to this role. And what he's doing is making his appeal to this world through us. He's speaking through the lives he inspires us to live and the words he gives us to say. 
It's like what Jesus references in Mark chapter 13, verse 11, where he says, Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Because he knew that it would be to our benefit, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, was in the legal and judicial sense, that's what's being spoken of here in this passage, the legal and judicial sense, he was made to be sin even though he was sinless, so that in Christ we could become forever righteous. And as ambassadors of Christ, we are sent out into this world with a mission. We have a new mission. I have to say, when I think back over the course of my life, some of my least favorite times of life have been seasons when I felt unaware of the mission Christ has given me. And during those seasons, when you're going through that as well, you know, how do we feel? I think we often feel like we're wandering aimlessly, and we may even begin to question why we were created to begin with. And then we look at a portion of Scripture like this, we dig into it a little bit, and we come to realize that we haven't been commissioned to wander aimlessly or without purpose in this world. We have a mission. We have a purpose. Our new life isn't anything like the worldly wandering that Christ plucked us out of. We have a purposeful mission in Christ as his ambassadors, as God makes his appeal through us. I read a story a little bit earlier this past week that I wanted to take a moment to share with you real quick. And uh, this is what it said in the story. It's uh, about Lou Little. And uh, Lou Little was coaching football at Georgetown. And when he was doing that, he had a player who the story says was definitely third rate, but had so much spirit, he was an inspiration to the team. And the story goes on to say, I'll just read it to you here. It says, he rarely saw action except in the last few minutes of a game that was already decided. And one day news came that the young man's father had died. He came to Coach Little and he said, Coach, I want to ask something of you that means an awful lot to me. I want to start the game against Fordham. I think that's what my father would have liked most. Coach Little hesitated for just a moment, and then he said, Okay, son, you'll start, but you'll only be in there for a play or two. You're, you aren't quite good enough, and you know it. So he started the game, and he played so well that Little never took him out. His play inspired the team to victory. And back in the locker room, Coach Little embraced the young man and said, Son, you were terrific. You never played that way before. What got into you? And the young man answered, Remember how my father and I used to walk around arm in arm? There was something about him that very few people knew. He was totally blind. This afternoon was the first time my father ever saw me play. I thought that was an interesting story, and I'll say this. I don't actually know if our relatives can see us from heaven or not. But what I do know is that our Heavenly Father's eyes are always on us. And if we're truly convinced that we have a new life, new relationship, and new mission from Him through Christ, it will impact the way we approach this life. It will impact the way we live this life. We'll be mindful of the fact that His eyes are always on us. Some folks remain stuck in the past, and I recognize that that can be a hurdle that's, that's very difficult to get over. But Christ enables us to make a break with what came before so we can experience the daily delight of walking with him. 
empowered by his grace, understanding that there is a well-defined purpose for our lives. In his book, Don't Waste Your Life, that's the title of the book, John Piper says, Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross, cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in this world. It's a great piece of wisdom. And as we look at this scripture, it reminds us that Christ has helped us make a break from the past. He's given us a new life. He's given us a new relationship with him. And he's given us a new mission. And he calls us to live it out mindful that he's with us and his eyes are always on us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for giving us the opportunity to just take a moment and look at it together today. And we pray, Lord, that as we meditate on the content of this passage, that you would remind us of the fact that if we've been stuck in the past, if our mind has been stuck there, if we feel like we're living in such a way that we're we're just behaving as if we're men and women who are stuck in the past, we pray that you'd bring this portion of Scripture back to our minds. We pray that you'd remind us that in Christ, through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, we've been given a brand new life, a brand new relationship, and you've set us out on this new mission. Our lives are not purposeless. We're not just wandering aimlessly without any understanding of the mission that you've given to us. You've set us out as your ambassadors and as men and women who have been changed from within. We've been made brand new through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we're grateful for all of these realities that you have accomplished on our behalf. We don't deserve them, but we're thankful for them. And we pray, Lord, that by your grace that you would help us to walk in the newness of life that we have as a new creation in you. We love you, Lord. We commit this day and we commit this week to you. And we pray that by your grace that you would bring us all together again. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. We are working to bring you new content every Monday morning, and we really appreciate the fact that you've been listening to the show and sharing its content with others. And again, if you'd like to be a supporter of this show, two quick ways that you could do that. You could visit us online at pastor.us and make a small gift of any amount to help us underwrite the cost of our hosting and production. And something I forgot to mention at the start of the show, if, if you are able to do that, what we're doing is a small gift for every contributor this month, is we're sending them a free digital copy of my book, Too Busy for What Matters Most. It's a book that I wrote uh, several years ago, and it's all about the things that we as Christians should prioritize in our lives, but often we allow ourselves to become a little bit too busy for so if you'd like a free digital copy of that book emailed to you, we'll be happy to send it to all patrons this month. Anyone that becomes a supporter will be sending that, and uh, it'll be coming to your way via email later this month, before the month of January finishes. And the other way, as we mentioned, that you can be a huge help to this program is by leaving us a rating or a review on iTunes. And thank you so much to those who have already done so. So that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a wonderful day and a great week, and we look forward to getting together again soon. Have a good one.
This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says, and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.